Welcome to this week's episode of the Get to the Contest Small Business Podcast. Now, today I'm going to be talking with a special guest, Mark Nagel, who's Executive Director at Trasta Wealth, an advisory firm uh, that uh, do a lot of work with. And one of the things we're going to be talking about is, is people's relationship with money, and in particular, money moments. So, you know, you don't have to think too hard if you think about it the last week or two or the last year or two, everything that we do in life, money touches it in some way, shape or form. Um, and that's for the good, the bad and the ugly of that. Uh, Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Warwick. Glad to be here. Well, Mark, what is a money moment? Well, a money moment is our way of putting a, a little bit of a logic and framework around what you've just described, which is, you know, uh, money touches our lives many times on a daily basis. And sometimes it's a, a fleeting moment. Um, it could be, you know, that you've been out with your mates and you, you come back home and you, you've had a few beers and, a, and something at the pub and it's like, geez, where did that 300 bucks go? And oh, That's uh, never happened to me never. ever. <laughs> <laughs> that's always way more than 300. <laughs> that kebab didn't cost that much, I'm sure, but somehow it's disappeared. Yep. Um, and, you, you know, you kind of, there's a, there's a little pang potentially of, of guilt that you spent that much money or, or whatever it might be. So... Um, but that that's often fleeting, and you kind of very quickly move on. Um, but but other other times um, there can be a much more serious money moment. We there are big things, obviously, like divorce or inheritance. Um, you might be working for a business that suddenly offers you share options. Um, you might be going into retirement. Uh, your, your kids might be uh, at the age or, well, these days when uh, just about when they're born, you have to start thinking about school fees. Um, these are all big, big money moments. And, and most people um, certainly have great sense of uncertainty around those things and, uh, and often anxiety. And that causes very detrimental to general well-being. Um, so those are money moments. Um, yep. And we, we try and, I guess, what our, what we're trying to do is take away the uncertainty and the anxiety and replace that through good advice with confidence and calm. Yeah. And, and you talk about that uncertainty, um, which then leads to anxiety. Now, some of those money moments that you described could actually be good things as well. Like, um, you know, clients that have had a windfall, whether it be, an inheritance or maybe a, a, a very large payout, um, unexpected, it can still lead to anxiety. Yeah. Have you, how many stories have we, have we all read about lottery winners where things have gone wrong? Um, you know, it's not, it's, not, it's not panacea. It's not a silver bullet for a, for a fantastic life. It certainly can be. Uh, but we've all read stories, you know, where people have won the lottery and it's led to misery and family yeah. breakups and goodness knows what else. And that can come with... There's, there's anxiety with having money. I see that quite regularly. You know, we have we have plenty of wealthy clients, and they're anxious about the amount of money that they have, which sounds a bit odd if you if you kind of sitting there and you don't have enough. But it's it's a truism. Um, so people worry about money uh, that they have as well as worrying money about that they don't have. Yep, makes sense. With these money moments, like how what's your process, or, or how do you get rid of that anxiety? Yeah, I think the first thing is, um, and I've kind of, I'll walk you through an example because I think it, it tells a story 
um, pretty well. So a, a client uh, came along, uh, or actually she called me in the first instance, and it was one of those moments that a lot of, uh, you know, anybody with young children that thinks they uh, cost them quite a lot of money, just you wait until they're adults. The, the, the <laughs> money that they ask for just just gets bigger. It doesn't stop. Um, so, look, I, I, she, she called me up and said, look, her uh, daughter, um, who's uh, in a relationship, um, have they've kind of decided that they want to buy a house and buy their first house. And, and it was a case of mum is there any chance that you and dad could uh, help us out with the deposit? Now, of course, a lot of parents seek to do that. It's an objective that a lot of us have is to help our kids, particularly with the crazy property market that we have in Australia at the moment, or particularly the Sydney area. So the first thing, you know, the, the anxiety and the uncertainty creeps in immediately. It's, can I afford to lend her any money? Uh, if we do, how much can we afford to lend her we really want to do this, but we don't want to send ourselves broke during retirement. So how do we understand what that looks like? Once you kind of go through that, it's, um, you know, whilst we don't expect to pay her to pay us back, what happens if that relationship breaks up in a year's time or two years' time? Um, does that money that we've gifted my daughter suddenly get divided between the two of them and you know, the, the, the now ex-boyfriend runs off into the distance with a pile of our family's cash. Um, so these are, you know, that, as you, you can imagine, that, that set of circumstances very quickly leads to, to anxiety and, and, you know, definitely uncertainty. So there's a, a framework that you can put around that to start helping people go through those decisions. So we were very quickly able to help her understand the kind of money that she could think about gifting to her daughter without um, causing uh, any disruption to her financial well-being and, and her and her husband's retirement. And we were also able to suggest that the option that she could put a loan document in place. And so rather than just gifting the child money, you actually put a loan document in place, um, which these things hold up pretty well. So if there's a, a breakup down the track, if you th threw $50,000 into the deal, that $50,000 comes back to repay that loan prior to any split of the asset yep. down the track. Um, and these, these things immediately start to give confidence back to the decision-making. It's okay, well, now I know what I can afford to give. And by the way, I can protect what I'm going to give. Uh, so those things were solved pretty quickly. Uh, in this instance, uh, she was also saying to me, well, I think the other side might be lending some money as well. Um, and I'd feel terrible if we put the loan uh, paperwork in place and the other side didn't. Totally understandable. So I suggested and advocated for transparency. Um, of course, it was the mums that met up to discuss this stuff. You know, the dads, yes. dads stayed in the background, but the mums met up over a coffee. You know, they both uh, were very clear with each other what was going in and, and so on and so forth. It turned out the other family actually were putting a little more in. Uh, and both mums decided on that basis that they were comfortable and that loan agreements were not, not necessary, not required. They because both, off. Yep, both, both families were contributing. And then, of course, um, you know, these mums actually bonded around that experience and their relationship has uh, been significantly enhanced by the honesty that, that they had going through that process. So we flipped anxiety and uncertainty completely on its head. Um, just with some wise words and some guidance. It makes makes a lot of sense, and and I, I guess guiding that 
what could have been a quite uncomfortable discussion, being in the middle of that and taking control of that is is where you've added a ton of value. Yeah, absolutely. They, I mean, it's interesting, you know, um, financial advice for very good reasons has come under the, the microscope for, you know, for over the last uh, couple of years with Royal Commission, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the, the good advisors giving sage advice like process that I've just discovered, it's hard to quantify in dollar terms, actually, the value of that. But the well-being and the, the calmness that comes in after having that relatively simple and straightforward discussion and the outcome that it generated um, and potentially, of course, it, it it saves relationships. I mean, how do you measure that? Uh, so it's really interesting. I and mean, a lot of the things that we, that good advisors do is hard to quantify. And I know we've we've been um, talking offline about you know some of these other other money moments, which yeah, like none of this was none of the discussions we've had about oh where can I get a twelve percent return as opposed to a this or a that because that's kind of that's irrelevant. Yeah, versus it's... the the things like one well the. One of the worst financial decisions I've seen clients make is somehow getting divorced. Yes. Um, now, that doesn't mean that all couples should stay together if they're unhappy, <laughs> of course. Right. But, uh, you know, making sure that you're not having a lifestyle that's putting you on, under undue pressure that just neglects relationships and is, is probably one of the areas where people can go and rip up half their, their capital and and also rip up their happiness at the same time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Look, you know, there's no doubt that money often is at the root is the root cause of divorce. I mean, there could be, you know, there could be other catalysts for the separation, but you can bet your bottom dollar somewhere money fed into that into that situation. So, you know, if you can get the money part right, uh, I, I'm firmly of the belief that you would lower the risk of yeah. divorce in the first place. Um, so again, you know, these kind of things have uh, intangible value. Yeah, and I know we, we've talked about where even things like in the stereotypical arrangement where one of the parents is working ridiculous hours to provide for the family, but they're not home for dinner on or ever. Yeah. And, and that, that then leads to resentment and all those sorts of things. So one of the, I think you said you had a client where you said, right, well, hey, to the one of the, the, the couple, hey, well, if, if your partner was home two nights a week, family dinner at six, would that make you happy? Is that going to take the pressure off? And that just meant shuffling the week around and not real, like probably not a big change, but it, in terms of adjustments to lifestyle, but a massive change into their, their happiness. Yeah, look, it does. We, we Part of our process is to help people reveal what's most important to them. Uh, and we do that by essentially trying to understand what their core values are. I don't really know that I've ever come across somebody that's that has a core value of working hard to generate wealth to the extent that they destroy a relationship with their family. Like <laughs> nobody says that, right? And yet a lot of people do it. So, yeah. you know, why is that? And and how do we how do we find ourselves trapped in that situation and uh, you know, I, the amount of times that I, I'm organ trying to organise appointments with with people that may be coming to see us for the first time, and it's kind of work. When can you come? To, well, you know, I kind of work from nine to five, so it's really difficult for me to sort of. So, kind of, well, you know, you probably have half a day off here and there for a multitude of things, and you can't take half a day off to help understand where you are financially. Actually, what on earth are you going to work for? So you're prepared to put all this time mm. into into work and your employer and all that and, and all of those good things. But hang on a minute, 
you're actually doing this to get ahead and to, to create wealth for the family and to, to sustain the life that you want to live. Surely it makes sense to make time to go and see somebody to help you do that. And to make sure that the direction you're heading is actually the direction that is taking you in the right way to a goal that you want as opposed to just smashing away in the wrong direction. Yeah, you, you, you want to be on a you want to be on a road, not a hamster wheel. Um so I guess what you the, these money moments is, is coming up with getting into that anxiety is understanding where people are coming from and coming up with a plan and, and, and structure making the a structure yeah. that they can follow. Yeah, and, absolutely. Often uh, it's often it's creating a decision making framework. Um, sometimes there's there's you know there's some maths involved. The, the example that I gave that there's a you know there's some maths involved around what can I afford to gift. Yep. Um, that's fairly straightforward. Um, the rest of it is really creating a decision making framework to help people understand um, the right level of gifting, whether the loan agreement should be put in place. Um, how do I approach it? You know, what, how do I approach the the other side of the family here? What's what's a good way to do that? So putting a decision making uh, um, framework together helps people through what would otherwise be quite a difficult situation. And and from what I've seen with with my clients and also myself personally, the greatest sources of stress I see and I have had is just uncertainty. Yeah, you just going what what could have, and then invariably you. You somehow you look back in a year or two after the fact, go, what was I worried about? I just went and finally made a decision and did something, and the, it was never as bad Bang on. as as it, it prob- probably seemed in my head because you made it so such a big thing and it became a blocker. Yes, um, and that's where I guess guiding you through these money moments will be will be incredibly valuable. Exactly right. Every every person listening to the podcast would have had exactly the experience that you've just described bottled something up it's built up it seems insurmountable eventually you go and do something about it and instantly you feel better yeah and and so and just coming up with that plan and chipping away and doing it yeah um gives control back to people yeah absolutely and and also i think you know having a being honest with yourself as well and, and knowing when, you know, it, it, it kind of amazes there's a there's an awful lot of people when it comes to, to sort of a financial planning, you know, still somewhere around at seventy plus percent of Australian adults do that on themselves without advi- do that themselves without advice. It's pretty extraordinary when you think about it. I mean the amount of people that I meet in different fields, you know, if I suddenly went off and tried to you know, replumb my house or rewire my house or, you know, God forbid, come in here and, and try to act like an accountant for a day. You know, you'd make a, an absolute mess of this stuff. You'd get little bits right. You'd luck out on some areas, wouldn't you? But, geez, you'd be missing so much because you just don't have the knowledge because it's not what you do. And yet people make assumptions that, they're, that they have that in-house knowledge. There's a you know, they're, they're overestimating often, as we all do in different walks of life. We all, all often overestimate our capabilities. Um, and a lot of people would be much better off if they went out and just got advice because it's not their special, not their speciality. Yeah, uh, makes a hell of a lot of sense. Just to get that understanding and certainty and to stop big part of our roles, frankly, is to stop people doing yeah silly things on emotion yeah. um, because they're made at a barbecue, told them to do it. Yeah. Could be good advice, or it could be absolutely terrible. Yes, and and just completely inappropriate for their circumstances. So, yeah, indeed. Yeah. So, thanks for sharing a bit about those money moments, and and just to, just to recap, 
the, the big ones, private school and school year kids, potentially lending money to adult children in retirement. Divorce, I know, is a big one. Yeah. Relocation. Relocation, yeah. Um, Inheritance. It could be... Redundancies, yeah. I know. Redundancy. Uh, sadly. Yeah. Or, or I say sadly, but sometimes they're voluntary and they're, yeah. they're an absolute yeah, that's uh, right. windfall. Yeah. That, that, that moment you realise that retirement's knocking on your as well, you know, that, that shift from that huge, probably the biggest money moment, shifting from saving to spending at retirement is a massive psychological event. The moment where there's no more paychecks coming in. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and no more inheritances, no more anything. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's a big one. But also I know, again, this is something that you've, you've helped uh, me with personally, understanding of what money you can comfortably spend so that you can enjoy those money moments and not feel guilt. Yeah, so- spending without guilt, huge. Yeah, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people would, would suffer um, from, from that emotion and that's not a good one. It's, you know, you kind of, there's nothing worse. I mean, I think probably everyone's been on a holiday that they can't really afford and, and that impacts your holiday, right, without any doubt, you know, you you. There are, you know, pangs of guilt or, or, geez, we shouldn't really be doing this. I can't, probably every, most people have, have kind of done that. Um, and you, because it's a holiday, probably, you know, you get over it, you kind of bat through the credit card bills when you get back. But Whereas well, where I was touching on is the, the opposite of, hey, you actually can afford that holiday. Absolutely. You don't take the holiday. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, 10 years goes by and you've... Because the idea isn't necessarily to retire with three million in the bank or oh, die with three million in the bank and no experiences yeah um because retirement doesn't always pan out there's health events you've got to enjoy the ride as yeah. well as planning oh, for the future. i would say you know in my world um at least 50 percent of the conversations are about spending not saving particularly during retirement you know it's uh, and you can understand why when when people have a finite amount of money and those checks aren't coming in every month, whatever you spend isn't coming back other than anything you can achieve through investment growth. So, yeah, these 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 things become... But you, you can't let life run past you without doing things uh, and getting getting the balance of your lifestyle right is relative to what you're spending, massively important. Yeah, no, no point in living on beans on toast and not going anywhere and, and having a big bank balance. You've just described uh, Shane Warne, except he goes lots of places. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but other people paying, though, so it doesn't count. Uh, but, um, <laughs> mate, this is the Get to the Contest Small Business Podcast. So what's your Get to the Contest or your critical thing that people need to focus on around their their relationship with money? Oh, look, in terms of business, I, I, I mean, I, my view, and you hear this talks about quite a, quite a lot. So obviously money's one part of it. And a successful business obviously needs to be profitable. But I often think that it, it does come back down to the level of interest and, and that breeds energy. So you would know yourself, you know, running small businesses takes a lot of energy. And if you're not enjoying what you're doing and you don't have a passion for what you're doing, you're never going to be able to create enough energy to be successful in my view. So, you, you know, you kind of might do all right, but you're not really going to drive on and be fantastically successful I don't think without having big reserves of energy and also being able to get up when somebody knocks you over um, much easier if you're getting up for something that you believe in a lot easier to stay down on the carpet for a bit longer you know if you uh, if you're not really enjoying what you're doing so 
look, I, I think my view is always, you know, try, try desperately. If you're going into business, uh, try desperately to, to make it something that you're passionate about. And then that kind of when you're when you're in the business, um, depending on, on what it is. So for me, um, most of my time is spent with clients, but I have a reasonable amount of time that's allocated to the, to the running of the business as well. And I love that balance. And I really enjoy both. And I don't think I would be as happy if I didn't have that mix. So I think everybody, not only have you got to, you know, cultivate a business that you have a fundamental interest in, your role within it needs to be something that you enjoy as well. And it needs to have the right balance. Yeah, great. So that inner passion and and making sure that you've got your day-to-day role within that business. So your understanding of what gives you energy, so you don't overdo it or underdo it on any... Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah, I've been I've been kind of quite lucky in life. I mean, I'm not sure if it, if it's I'm sure part of it's luck and, and part of it's just uh, being conscious of it. But I've never been through extended periods of my life where I've not wanted to get up and go to work in the morning. Yeah, the same, same. It's uh, yeah. and and for me, a lot of that's about what we do for our clients. Yeah, but also a significant part is the people you surround yourself as well correct um and yeah and and a lot of you get so much if you've got the right people around you they will add that energy yeah i um, completely as opposed uh, to suck it out of you and the last 18 months has been interesting for businesses to try and maintain that energy where we've not necessarily been in the same office space uh and it's been interesting how as a business we've had to to think about that and, and work with our younger members of, particularly the younger members of our team, um, how, how do we kind of recreate that energy and that drive when everybody's working from home? Yes, and, and well, I think you've just uh, made notes on my next episode, perhaps, um, <laughs> getting that workplace energy and culture right, yeah. um, particularly in, in the world we currently yes. live in. definitely more challenging. Yep. Now, here's, here's a question I ask a lot of people. Any unusual transactions you've had doesn't in your professional life doesn't necessarily need to be in financial planning. Anything weird and wonderful that you've seen? Oh, just uh, I mean, we, we <laughs> I suppose a, a couple of times actually when uh, one uh, with a past business uh, and one kind of actually with the present one, but you know, negotiating with a with with a large business, the first one we were we were thinking, I think it was a straight out sale from what I can remember. And I just kind of remember sort of going through the whole um, process and getting closer and putting an awful lot of time into it uh, and just having the the rug pulled from under the deal because the, the business that we were about to be bought by decided to buy something significantly bigger than us and we, just, we literally just <laughs> fell off the page. It was like, who? Oh. <laughs> so that wasn't that wasn't too that wasn't uh, that was a bit unusual. And this, well, more I think more unusual the second one where we uh, we were in negotiation uh, with a with a, a large multinational. We essentially signed the deal with one company, but by the time the deal settled, the multinational was actually bought out by an Australian beer moth. So we landed we landed up with a shareholder that we never actually engaged at any point in time so that that was definitely uh, a little weird and wonderful um but these things can happen of course when you're you know it's a lesson um in business you've got to be flexible and kind of understand (laughs) different things that can happen and agile enough to uh respond absolutely mark from all the stuff we've talked about today we've we've talked helping guiding people to make smart decisions what are some mistakes yeah maybe three common mistakes you see people make yeah look i i'd say um 
obviously a lot of people in whether it's accounting whether it's uh, advice whether it's uh, legal or uh, in whatever profession you look at um, and the trade events as well you know where people go along to different conferences or exhibitions about their particular industry and they see a bunch of new ideas um, they hear from speakers that um, motivate them and they spend money doing that you know often these conferences are expensive uh, they take time out of your working week and you sit there diligently for three or four or five days, however however long these conferences uh, run for, and then you go back to your office and you do precisely nothing with everything that you've just learned. Um, so I, I've seen that so many times. I, I've been on, you know, kind of both sides. You know, I've, been, I've presented at conferences where I think I've been saying some good things and some positive things, and you know, people acted on them. I think it would have uh, would have done them some uh, some good. And I've also been obviously there as a guest and, and, and a participant and a delegate. Uh, and we, we actually, as a business, we've always invested quite heavily around improving our knowledge. So we just put little rules in place which said, yeah, you know, you can go on, uh, we'll pay for you to go on a conference, but within 24 to 48 hours, you've got to come back to the business with something that we can deploy. And it really focuses the mind, you know, it's... Uh, it's very interesting, and we've lived by that. I mean, if you if you could uh, speak to my team, I famously actually made a major change to the way that we structure our working week mid-conference. I literally called the office and said, this is how we're doing a particular thing, and it's kind of, what, now? Yes, please, like immediately. Uh, has Mark been at the bar now? again? No, he's crazy. <laughs> but, well, it was before lunchtime, otherwise they might have, they might have questioned me some more. Oh, but, 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 so but, I th- but I think that's, you know, but for me, yeah, I, I just would urge people to act on things that they have heard that they believe would help them and not get back to the office and suddenly get caught up in the stuff that we all get caught up in. Yeah, and, and I, th- I think what you said there was having a, a mandate of go away, you've got to come back with something within a, you know, nothing like a deadline to spare action. If you're going to spend a week out of the office, I, I would be saying, well, you really need to be allocating a a significant chunk of time the following week to do those actions because otherwise you just get back to your desk you've got 400 emails because you haven't been as responsive as you had in the earlier week and you're just on the hamster wheel yeah stati- and- statistically if you don't make that change within the first 48 hours it's very unlikely to happen i mean the, it, it literally the chances of creating ch- a positive change will will fall off a cliff after 48 hours makes a hell of a lot of sense always looking to do things a better way in in our business and and to help our clients business what's some of the tech that you use that you now can't live without and i'll preface this by saying your phone you can't say your phone everyone says your phone (laughs) (laughs) they do actually i was talking about phones the other day i mean it's it's just about the worst name for the thing isn't it because we just don't use them as as the last thing that we use our phones for is to actually use the telephone in the traditional sense so well look a phone you know it's part of it's a it's it's another way that we access the technology that you're talking about we have spent a lot of time over the last few years focusing on technology Uh, and it's complex and it's it's quite industry specific so i wouldn't want to bore your audience but the, the bottom line is that piece of software that was pervasive in our industry for me was more about 
licensees of our businesses and more about actually I suppose our business than it was about the client experience so we kind of we thought about that for a moment and we very quickly um, as we sometimes do in our business made a decision that we were going to change that so we just threw this piece of software out essentially it's designed to kind of run businesses like ours so it was like okay well that's good we all felt better that we'd got rid of it and then it was like okay what do we do now (laughs) so it was that it was that moment it's like well okay we'd better we'd better fix this so we sort of uh we came to the conclusion that the piece of software that we wanted at the very heart of our business was the piece of software that allowed us to engage with our clients and for us that just happens to be salesforce so that that crm solution for us is the is the is the driver now of pretty much everything in our business um and because of the way that it's built, you know, there are various ways of plugging different things into it. So it's it's been a, a long journey uh, and not a cheap journey because technology never is. But the bottom line is we got our technology aligned with the objectives of the business, which is we wanted to give our clients a better experience. So for me, the moment that we pulled our technology into that list of priorities we started to get things right. So actually focusing on the client and then finding the solution rather than having a solution which the client then had to fit into. Which... Yeah, yeah, because it happened to be so a good piece of technology for the business didn't necessarily equal the best solution for our clients. So yeah. I suppose what we did, we sort of dived on our sword a little bit on the business side of things to say, right, our highest priority is creating a good experience for our client. So let's start with that. Um, so that just reordered the way that we saw the priorities of our tech stack. So we, we just changed things around and we're very grateful and pleased that we did. I love how you just express that because focusing on the client, if that's the highest priority, everything else will fall off the back of that. Yeah. All right. A little bit more personal now. Mark, what? book or movie or album has changed your life change well i uh i suppose i am a bit of a bookworm i i do sort of anybody that's uh engaged me recently via zoom meetings will know that there are a collection of books that sit behind me when i'm uh, when i'm on those video meetings and, and i often see the people that i'm meeting kind of you know, moving around to try and get a focus on some of the books that I'm sitting in front of. And they're very varied and, and quite eclectic. And, you know, I always think that there's a lovely question, actually, that psychologists ask, which is, you know, if you if you wander into somebody's home, so if I walked into your home, Warwick, what is it about your home would give me an insight into who Warwick is? And it can be anything, of course. But if I'm asked that question, I tend to say, well, just go look at my books that probably gives you a bit of a bit of an insight into who I am. So, but if I was if I was going to narrow it down to one, it would probably be the Gulag Archipelago, which is uh, Solzhenitsyn, and it's the story of obviously the Gulags in in Russia during during um, the time where prisoners were regularly deported to to that part of the world. But in essence, it's really the tale of the strength of human resolve and spirit. So even though you're not, it's not an uplifting book in terms of material, you feel uplifted because uh, you, you get to understand how we, resilient we are as a, as a race. So it's, um, it's, it's something that it's a book that I have desperately tried to encourage my sons to read. 
Uh, I think one of them got about five pages in. That's as far as we've got. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. It reminds me of a book that I, I, I have read and I, I, for a, a colleague and mentor, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, Victor Frankl, of his experiences of the the concentration camps in Yeah, World so it, it, it would be. So. It's, it's somewhat, um, but without probably, you know, even though you, you, the, the level of human suffering was some, it's, it's it's that theme. It's still the theme of human suffering, yeah. but you know, the Gulag Archipelago, I suppose, is is not quite as dreadful in many ways as some of the, the Holocaust stories because of, we kind of know how that ends. Whereas the Gulag Archipelago actually is much more about hope. Yep. It's if we can get through this, you know, there might be some light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so that is, I, I just found it a, a, an extraordinary piece of work. Yeah. So that's well, and, and look, that's a underlying theme of. One of my favourite movies being Shawshank Redemption, right? Right. So, yeah, so. exactly right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, right. But movie probably for me, The Usual Suspects. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Um, just, you know, you've got, to love, a, you've got to love a movie with a twist. Yes. Although the great shame, I think, with The Usual Suspects is that you can't enjoy it more than once, in my view. Well, not, yeah, not I'll, quite I'll the it, way you could uh, the first similar time. Similar to Shawshank as well. Like, yeah. was, the first time you watch it's always going to be the best. Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> um, and, and look, Mark, you're, you're, you're an advisor um, helping people get the next 20, 30, 50 years of their life hopefully in order. If you could, what advice would you give yourself from 20 years ago? 20 years ago is an interesting time frame because that's pretty much um, I'm about 20 years and three weeks into my life in Australia. And probably a bunch of things that I might have uh, said to myself at the time, but I was kind of, I would probably have to go back a little further to, to get to a, a better set of advice for myself. So I think 20, 20 years and three weeks ago, I found myself from a professional perspective and from an intellectual perspective. So my advice to my self 30 years ago would have been that I should have done that much sooner. I should have listened to myself much earlier than I did and I should have gotten serious about some of those things much earlier than I did. So um, I think, you know, finding those finding those passions, understanding, and I'm kind of going through it with, with my early 30-something eldest son at the moment. It's, it's that for him, it's a career change brought on by a furlough through COVID. He was at airport, working at an airport. And it's that moment where you, you actually, it's quite an exciting moment in many ways. Um, you get to have a new career. And the advice that I'm giving him, which is what I would have given to myself, is make sure that you succeed. Make sure that you, you never allow yourself to have a career that you don't look back on and say, actually, given the tools I have as a human being, I pretty much did as well as I think I could have done. Don't leave anything in the tank from a career perspective. If you, you know, if you think you have the intellect to do something different and you would like to satisfy that, go do it. Don't, don't leave it undone. Um, so that's certainly the, the advice that I would have given myself, but it, I did give myself that advice 20 years ago, so you'd have to <laughs> yeah, go back a bit further. Uh, great. Well, you know, so, so look, taking action and then not leaving anything else in the tank, so actually getting the most out of yourself with regard to your career. So Yeah, bang on. Um, very hard to argue with that, Mark. So, 
Well, look, thank you so much for being to, uh, a part of today's podcast. Um, learn a ton, uh, or always learn a ton every time we spend time together, Mark, and, uh, and I'm sure there's a lot of value out there for our our clients um where can people find you oh look, yeah people can find us uh, our website is tracetowealth.com.au we are based in sydney we have you know trace to wealth is on instagram facebook and all the usual social media outlets um and of course uh just a google of my name should point you in the right direction <laughs> yeah, these days as and- it often does and if and also for the anyone that that wants to know how Mark might be able to help them, obviously reach out to myself as well, and I, I, I can uh, certainly pass on your details. So, Mark, um, absolute uh, wisdom and nuggets of gold there. So, thanks so much for being a part of the podcast today. Oh, you're welcome. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Well, that was our interview with. Mark Nagel of Traster Wealth and uh, look, so many nuggets of, of wisdom there from Mark. So look, some of my key takeaways from, from some of the things Mark shared, um, look, his version of getting to the contest and what are the critical things for success in business, well, you know, basically Mark talked about inner passion and understanding what gives you energy and what saps your energy and designing your business accordingly and filling your week accordingly and including in that surrounding yourself with the right people that add energy rather than take energy from you so absolute uh, gold there uh, if you love what you do um, work doesn't need to be a chore um, and it becomes far more uh, sustainable um, we, no one can keep going to the the grind of what they do if it, if, if it is a grind and they, they don't enjoy it another bit of wisdom which look I, I I've been guilty of this in the past and I see many people um, also guilty of it. Uh, thankfully, I've, uh, I, having spoken to Mark uh, prior on this, we've actually uh, changed a few things myself. Conference and training follow-up. You know, if you're going to invest a significant amount of time, cost, opportunity cost, cost of the course, uh, travel, going to conferences and those sorts of things, or even if they're online, make a commitment to some change happening. Otherwise, you just get back to your inbox. You've got 100 emails in there that you haven't addressed from time you've had off and nothing will change uh, and Mark talked about a significant percentage of, of um, the, the, the likelihood of any any improvements in your your business and systems uh, decreases with every day that passes uh, from you attending a conference without taking action if you're going to attend something that's awesome I'm not suggesting you don't attend to any sort of improvements or conferences or learning quite the opposite do that but if you're going to spend a week out of the office you'd probably need to be spending uh, at least 50 percent to 100 percent of that time set aside immediately upon your return from that conference for actually implementation otherwise you've just had a you know a working holiday that's achieved nothing next point um, mark talked about a variety of money moments um, which include basically anytime money touches our lives which is Holidays, home ownership, rent, uh, you know, um, parent, like parents with money, rental to buy, um, you know, buying property instead of your know, first property, retirement, helping your kids, uh, marriage, divorce, all these things are money moments. And they all can be great, wonderful things in life and, and sometimes sad things in life as well. But whether they're good or bad, they will still potentially lead to anxiety. One of the, the, the takeaways from Mark is just being aware of that and having someone in your life, uh, such as a Mark or, or someone that's a trusted advisor, where you can sit down and, and, and talk through the, the situation and make make a plan where there's an informed decision. I know that I get less stressed 
if I've got a plan and you're working towards something rather than just a you know a sort of a lot of uncertainty uncertainty breeds anxiety so come up with a plan and make the best decision you can for the right reasons and often you know good things will follow which probably links to another thing Mark mentioned in there which was you know advice from 20 years ago and in particular with your career or whatever and it's well take action sooner often many people will will actually face some anxiety face stress face a big decision big moment in their life but the uncertainty is just too too much to overcome and they won't cross that threshold to take to take action and invariably you know time whether it's years or months years or decades will pass and nothing's changed come up with a plan take action invariably the downside's never as bad as you think and the last bit of wisdom that Mark shared, which I really liked, was an interesting um, sort of a twist on the a question that I ask a lot of um, podcast uh, attendees or podcast guests, and that is, you know, tech and you know, what tech do you, you, you currently use that makes your life easier? And, and Mark just twisted that, and, and I guess his theme was tech's an important part of business, but making sure that the tech is designed with the client experience in mind. So tech for the sake of tech or tech because it makes our life easier, but your ultimate client or customer's life indifferent or worse, well, that's actually a dumb reason to use tech. So let's make sure that um, you know we're always, as business owners, uh, using technology to make the client experience better. So there you have it. That's a, another episode of the, the Get to the Contest Small Business podcast and uh, Mark Nagel's wisdom about money moments i'm sure there's some some value in there for 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 all that have listened and uh look if you want to get in touch reach out to me at uh, warwick fox group or and we can put it put you in touch with mark or, or talk through any of your money moments so um look forward to having you on the next episode of the get to the contest small business podcast bye for now